Welcome to the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, a weekly broadcast sponsored by CVC Coaching, hosted each week by industry speaker, coach, author, and educator, Jerry Eisenhower. Our presentations are produced to assist business owners and managers in turning their business dreams into their business realities. And now, here's your host, Jerry Eisenhower. Hey, and welcome once again to the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. We present this every week, and the whole purpose, our mission here, is to share things of value with our listeners and things that can take them forward in their life and in their business. And each and every week, I try to feature a great guest on here, and today I got a special person again. And, you know, you may not think this is about business, but with what we're going to talk about today if this is something that's a challenge in your life, and the more we research this, the more we find that this is an increasing problem, and that is the issue of aging family members. In other words, your parents or other people that maybe you have to look at in your life or look after. And today I got a special guest, and she's very special to me because this is my wife, Cheryl Eisenhower. And several years ago, Cheryl decided to become a Ziegler coach and trainer. She went through the Ziegler program to be a Ziegler certified trainer and then moved forward and became the 14th Ziegler certified coach in the world, which is quite an accomplishment on her part. And along the way, one of the things that she got involved in, she met a lady by the name of Michelle Prince. And Michelle Prince is a publisher and a person that helps you write books. And so what Cheryl's done, at this point, she has now participated in one, which is a group book called Dare to Be a Difference Maker, which she and several other coaches co-authored together, which is found on Amazon. It is Dare to Be a Difference Maker, Volume 7. And from that point, she has now authored two books. One is a small book called I'm Glad I Did. And that is about the challenges she faced with her father when her father uh, went through sickness. And she recently released another book. And the title of this book is Will You Be There? Which is Taking Care of Parents. And like I said, this is something that she and I have personal experience with. Uh, We went through this and she's going to talk about this a little today. So if you're a person who faces this challenge or you feel you may, we're hopeful this is going to be a really good presentation today. So Cheryl, are you ready to rock and roll with this? As always, ready to go. Okay, so the first question I got for you is, why did you decide to make elder care, as I'm going to call it, or looking after elderly parents and relatives, why did you decide that would become part of your mission in coaching? What was the background for this to give you that um, energy or that authority. What what gave you this? Well, I think in life we all do something that shoots us in different directions. I started taking care of my mom when I was 12, and I ended taking care of your father when I was 62. So there, within there is a lot of years that gave me a lot of practice in this, I guess, if you want to put it that way. And I realized that If you're listening to this, either you're getting ready to take care of parents, you're taking care of parents, or you one day will be the person that you hope your kids or someone reads this book 
so they can take care of you. Okay, as I read through this, Cheryl, and I want to get a definition of this. Chapter one in your latest book is challenges of being a caretaker. And then you have chapter two, rewards of being a caregiver. Can you identify what the difference is on a caretaker and a caregiver? A caretaker is a person that takes care, and these are my words, that take care of a person. It can be you. It can be a person at assisted living, a person at the nursing home. can be anybody. And then I take a caregiver as someone, you're just not taking care of the person. You're giving part of your life to that person. And so, especially when it's your parents, you're not just taking care of them. You're giving them a section of your life. Okay. So my next question, and some of this might get kind of emotional, folks, so please bear with us if that happens. When your father first became ill, that was before you and I even knew each other many years prior. How old were you when you were faced with the challenge of your dad? I was in my late 30s and going into my early 40s and dad had aneurysms as you know and aneurysms just so people understand what they are they're called the silent killer usually your first experience of knowing you got it can be the last experience that you exist it's not something that you feel coming on like a heart attack a lot of times it's there, and a lot of people, my dad was so lucky when we found it because he had two, and the one that was not about to explode was on a nerve that was causing excruciating pain. Had he not had the second one, he wouldn't have survived the first one. So was this something you had warning of, or just one day you got a phone call that something's wrong? I got a phone call, and I can tell you what day it was. It was a Sunday morning, and my mom was not really good at handling situations, and even though I wasn't that old and never thought I'd be in the point of being a nurse-slash-caregiver-slash-caretaker, I got a phone call. She said, your dad's over here complaining. Dad didn't complain. That's Out of, out of all of our parents, my dad never complained. And I went over there, and the words were, baby, I got a headache. And he never had a headache ever. And his eyes were kind of glazed over and he was shaking. And so took him to the doctor and we went straight from meeting a, our local, I guess he would just be our local doctor here in town. He um, actually came in on a Sunday morning when I called because he knew my dad never got ill. We went straight from a 10-minute look at him in his office to the hospital here in Concord to Presbyterian in Charlotte, all within a hour period of time. Okay, so like I said, I never knew your dad. I've heard you talk about him. So just to clarify, before your dad got sick, was he kind of a guy, a weak guy, or was he kind of a, you know, was he a strong guy? You know, in his family, he had a lot of brothers and sisters. Was he a follower or was he a leader in the community? And would people tell us, tell people a little bit about your dad. My dad was the elder son. So he was actually the one that did a lot of the caretaking of his, his siblings because, you know, my grandparents were out 
doing their jobs. And my, my grandfather was a chicken farmer. And so they spent a lot of time in the chicken houses and dad had to kind of round up everybody. So as a sip, dad was a sibling of 13 and he pretty much commanded them. In fact, three of his brothers over the years that he was a contractor worked for him. And then he put every one of them into their own business, maybe not put them into it, but told them what they knew. So very strong, very leading and I'll be honest, uh, I am today what I am because my father was what he was. Right. Tell people what your dad did for a living and um, how long it took him to do it in those days, Cheryl. Um, my dad built houses, and I know where you're directing. All of them didn't go quite this fast, but he was building, uh, they were track homes, little 1,000 square foot, 1,000 to 1,200 square foot houses in this particular instance that I know you're heading towards. He built 51 houses in 52 weeks. And at that time, people didn't hire stuff out. I mean, he didn't do the floor covering. He didn't do the carpet and stuff like that. But he built them from the ground. He he did the framing. He did the sheet. He did the whole nine yards. And he got a check every Friday for a house. Yeah. And I think one time you told me your dad really didn't worry about how somebody was going to pay for the house. He had connections with the local savings and loan and so he just built the house on faith would that be good would that be a good adequate word that's an adequate word and the thing about it is i've seen him go in my cousin went in with him he had built a house and they wanted a house so dad took him into the savings and loan and the guy looked at him and his name was wood it was woodley but everybody called him wood he said wood we just can't give these kids no credit Dad looked at him, looked over at him, and said, "Hey, y'all go move in the house, and when they get over this crap, they'll give you a loan." Okay. And they did, and he put quite a few people in houses like that. So, what was it like to go from this stout, strong, really standout kind of guy that did things for other people, and to watch him become helpless? where others had to look after him. What was that like? Um, that's a hard thing to answer. Um, you went from zero to 100 really fast. Or maybe it's the other way around, from 100 to zero. Um, you, for a while, you feel out of control. You don't know what to do. The man that took care of you was all of a sudden flat in a bed. And um, your heart just breaks. Yeah. So looking at this, your dad, this was a sudden shift one day. One Sunday morning, on Saturday, your dad was fine. On Sunday morning, life changed. Life changed for all of us. Right. So that's one side of elderly parents. The other side is when they go through dementia, which is diminishing brain cells, they go through memory loss. And a lot of times we make fun of this, people say the same things over and there's a running joke. The great thing about Alzheimer's is you meet a lot of new friends every day, right? That's a running joke. So to watch people go through dementia heading towards Alzheimer, what was what was that like? Well, I got to admit I had a little bit more prep than you did because dad after his surgery for um, 25 weeks didn't know who I was. 
he knew me as the person that took care of him. So I kind of got a taste of dementia and Alzheimer's before you did. But it's really hard because, again, these people, in the beginning, they just don't remember stuff. And then a lot of times, they don't remember you after that. And it's, it's extremely hard because you don't know what to do and how to deal with it. Now, my opinion always was, if it didn't hurt them, let them, let them say what they wanted to over and over again. Let's face it, and here's a little business tick into that. How many times do you have to tell somebody over and over that doesn't have dementia to do something? So them telling you over and over is not bad at all. And the thing is, is to learn not to argue with them, let them tell you. Okay. One thing that people face, and this is a hard challenge, the hard challenge is when it's time that they have to face their parents need this type of care, and it's going to become a case of assisted living centers. It's going to become a case of possibly they move in with you, which has its own set of challenges, right? More than most people will ever know. So when people are faced with this decision, how do they function? Because at this point, your emotions start running over, and it's very hard to make uh, intelligent decisions, shall we say, because you're looking at your parents, the people that raised you, the people that you depended on as a child, all of a sudden now, they're depending on you. In fact, we often talked about this. You become the parent for your parents a lot of times is what happens here. So how do people face this challenge of my mom, my dad, they're going to have to go to assisted living. They can't look after themselves anymore. They can't uh, manage their medications. Uh, someone has to be there. They can't use a stove anymore because they may hurt themselves. Uh, they may slip and fall. All these different things that come on, which comes in the difference of when you got a caregiver and a caretaker. But what do people put in their minds in order to get through this challenge of my mom is at this age and now, and see, this is one of the problems is this start happening this is going to zap your time. It can also zap your finances, correct? Your finances become extremely taxed because in today's time frame, if a parent draws a couple dollars too much, they can't get any assistance. So you're going to be you're going to be held liable to take care of them if you want them to have the care that you do, and it not only zaps your finances, most people, by the time their parents hit this situation, still have children. So now we have to deal with children and parents. You become at what we call the sandwich generation. You've got it on both sides. I, it was hard, you know, trying to take care of the kids and take care of dad at the same time. By the time I got to your parents, you know, my, both my parents had deceased and my children were grown. But trying to deal with the time frame of you, your family, your money, your just your existence becomes hard. And it's like, what do you decide to do? The thing is, you have to sit down, take a few minutes, figure out what you can do. And there's times, as much as you hate to do it, that you don't have the time. Now, I was at the process of taking care of them, had work, working in two businesses, 
and trying to deal with grandkids, shit, you know, kids. We, but we made it. And you don't plan ahead for the daily stuff. You plan ahead for what's coming. But you take every day, one day at the time, and that's all you can do when it comes to this. Right. You know, when I wrote my first book, it was Chaos Reinvention. And I don't know if everybody picked up on this, but during the period that I was going through my chaos in 2010, we were actually looking after quite a few of my parents still. So not only did we have the issues of the bank, all of a sudden we had the issues of parents and looking after parents. And it involved more than myself and you, but it involved what were we going to do with my stepfather, my father, my stepmother, my mother had passed away some years earlier, but we went through all this at that time, which was in on top of every, all the financial hardships we were going through. Now we had to look after these people that were in assisted living and what was kicking our butts financially. It was a very tough period of our lives. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it's at from there. But let me ask you this. You've got one of your books is I'm glad I did now. And then under these, it says, do what it says it takes not to say I should have. Where did that come from? It actually came. It started when I was taking care of my dad. And um, somebody asked me, they said, how did you deal with all that? I said, I don't know, but I'm really glad I did. And then I spent days and days of my life trying to make sure I never had to say I wish I had because you can't ever recoup anything. My dad could have passed that day on the operating table, but he didn't. And I got to spend 15 weeks in ICU with him and 10 weeks in the other ward. And I did things that were funny. I cried. Let's talk a minute. Let's talk. Um, let's talk about the nails. You remember the story you told me about the nails? Yeah. Uh, I would do anything dad told, asked me to do. And again, that's part of the, I'm glad I did. Dad didn't know what was going on. Dad was living back in his carpentry days and in his war days. And there were days when I just needed a few minutes to honestly sit down and cry or sit down and read or whatever it took. The nurses were bringing me medical books. And so I was trying to learn all I could. But dad would have me hanging sheetrock. Dad would have me painting. And so what I would do to get a little bit of uh, me time was I would stand up and I'd say, darn it. And he'd say, what's wrong? I said, somebody knocked them nails over. And it was like, well, pick them up. So I would sit down on the floor, and that's where I would read. That's where I would take a few breaths. And after a while, it was like, what are you doing now? And it's like, well, I'm picking up the nails. And as long as I was picking up nails, he, he laid up there very quiet. You know, I think that's what a lot of people, as we went through this, and I was involved taking my dad to doctors in his latter years, but one of the things that I learned about with dementia was because people, when they get elderly and going through dementia, they see they are talking about things that aren't real anymore. 
But what they are, there's memories. And I asked one of his doctors one time, I said, tell me what's going on. He said, to him, it's real. He actually sees this because the way the brain functions, the brain is putting a mental picture out. And when they talk about something that happened when they were in their 20s or 30s, they are actually seeing this. As an example, what I want you to, if you're listening to this, I want you to think back to your childhood. Do you remember doing something in your house? Can you see that mental picture right now? That's what dementia does. Dementia puts a mental picture. Do you remember the times my dad would talk to people in this apartment? Yeah, and we knew he didn't see them, but he knew he did. He knew he did. He would see things. He would see houses being built. It was crazy. You sit out there and we'd just be sitting in the chair. And he'd say, man, that guy's building that house across the street over there. I don't know what he's going to do with that big old house. And it's like, Dad, there's there's woods over there. And finally, it just came. That's what's what he was seeing. So, and not to antagonize them, because you don't want to do that. I would agree, yep, that's going to be a really big house. I can remember my dad telling me he was watching wrecks happen in front of him. I remember him saying one day, did you see that bus just run off the road right there? There's no bus. There's woods there. But that's what you're going to go through. And that's where the challenges are in this. So what, let me ask you this, Cheryl. What would you add to somebody that may be facing this right now? How would you give them strength? How would I give you strength? Pray. If you're a praying person, that helps. But do some reading. Get some knowledge, because with knowledge, you'd be surprised how much more you can deal with. It, we all tend to go into this. I, was, I wasn't lucky enough to have foreseen what was going to happen, so I had to learn on the fly. And I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest part. Get some knowledge. Be aware of what's, what the disease that they're coming down with. I mean, we dealt with diabetes with your mom. We dealt with hearts with the parents. We dealt with aneurysms with my dad. And my dad didn't die from the aneurysms. He actually made it through those into cancer. So we dealt with cancer. But with each one of the diseases, I took time to get a little bit of knowledge to know how to deal with them. And to me, that's a lot of it, and communication, communication with your spouse, with your siblings, with anybody else that's going to help you do it. That's where your strength's going to be. You know, and you were with me, and facing a decision such as I had to face, which is to terminate life support, that's, a, that's one of the difficult things. And the only thing that can salvage that, and this is the, those of you who are not at this stage yet, is we had honest discussions with our parents. If this happens, what do you want to do? And when this happens, and as you're making decisions about your parents, this is what I think will help you. If it was you who had no control over this, what would you want your children to do? What would you want the people to do that are responsible for you? So this involves a lot of life support decisions. 
There's do not resuscitate orders that we had in place that have to be there. I mean, if you can imagine when we had elderly people, we had do not resuscitate orders that they had decided on at a younger age. So what you got to do is communicate with your parents before you get to this point. So what, you, what can you add to this, Cheryl? Well, you were lucky enough to have those communications. My dad, I had to make that decision as just the way you said before, what you thought he would want. After the aneurysms, dad never got completely back to what we could call normal, if there is such a thing. And when the cancer finally showed up, and he was in stage four when they found it, and I'm going to say something that most people have not heard me say. My mom was an alcoholic and could not make decisions. And so I had to sit in the doctor's office and make the decision for them not to give my dad treatments for cancer because it would give him an extra two weeks. They wouldn't be good, but it would be two weeks. And so I had to make the decision not to give treatment. You need to be ready to make decisions like this and when you make them you need to be strong enough not to look back and change those decisions in your mind make sure they're right when you make them okay so at this time we got you've altered three books one is a collaborative effort with some other people in the Ziegler organization called dare to be a difference maker You've also altered a small book, which is, I'm glad I did. Do what it says to say, not to say, I should have. And the last one is, will you be there taking care of parents? All these books are available on Amazon. If they, if you just go to Amazon and type Cheryl Eisenhower with an S in the Amazon search bar, you'll come up with all three of these books. I'll accept Dare to Make a Difference Maker. That's under Michelle Prince's heading. Okay. So from that point, and these are also Kindle versions? They're Kindle. Um, they're all, I'm not sure. I Dare to Make a Difference Maker is not Kindle yet, but the other two are. Right. And how else can people get access to these books? I mean, did you do any ebooks in this series? I did an ebook on I'm Glad I Did. Um, did not yet on will you will you be there but if anybody that would like to see it i'm i'm here anytime to help anybody get one the thing about this book is just a preempt to a book that i actually started before this one that's on the actual parents and the diseases that each had i did this one because i wanted people to understand the diseases first and the next one that is in process will be called The Juggler, The Juggler of Lives. And why The Juggler? Because that's what you do. You juggle time, you juggle money, you juggle doctor's appointments, you juggle every day. And it's kind of <clears throat> like you have to be really careful not to drop a ball because that could be a detrimental effect to one of them. Back in those days... You told me one time because everyone had a separate checkbook. We had responsibility for all these people's finances. But you were how many checkbooks were you juggling to look after all these people? Thirteen. Thirteen checkbooks. 
So with 13 checkbooks, this included the business checkbooks, the different companies, but also the personal accounts. You had the Social Security coming in every month, the retirement accounts coming in, transferring money from here, transferring money from there. You spent a lot of, it was about a full-time job just taking care of the finances for all this month, right? You almost felt like you were kiking money. Almost felt like you were kiking money. So Cheryl, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, tell them, you know, tell, give them your email address and how they can touch base with you and, you know, that you're willing to extend a hand to them. You can get me actually on either email address. I'm going to give you two. One of them is Cheryl with a S at cvccoaching.com. The other one is Cheryl at CherylEisenhower.com, which is attached to the webpage on the Elder Parent Cares and other, my authors and where you can find books there also at CherylEisenhower.com. Okay, so just in case a lot of people don't know how to spell Eisenhower, why don't you spell Cheryl out for them and spell the word Eisenhower out because there's like every, every time we go somewhere, everybody thinks it's spelled different ways. Well, I spelled it with, with an S because it's special. I always remember that. Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L, Eisenhower, I-S-E-N-H-O-U-R. So there you go, folks. You know, whether you're facing this at this point in life, you may be facing this in the future. Cheryl's a real valued part of our team here at CDC Coaching. A lot of people don't know the depth of what all we do. And, you know, we do this podcast. We do different things. Get her books. Look her up. Hang on just a second. I've got a quote before. Yeah, and she wants a quote. So I'm going to go back to her for a minute. So what, tell me what your quote is. Okay, this is unknown, but I have read this more times than you can imagine. And it's one that if you can hear and understand... It may help you. Before you talk, listen. Before you react, think. Before you criticize, wait. Before you pray, forgive. And before you quit, try. There you go. So, this is Jerry Eisenhower with the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. And even though this had nothing to do with chimneys and fireplaces today, I felt it was a good subject matter because if you face this challenge in your life, it can totally debilitate you and your business. And Cheryl is throwing her hand out there to you and reaching out. If she can help you, Cheryl, it's just an email away, right? Any way you'd like to. I'm, I'm out here. And yes, Jerry said this isn't business related. When you go into this situation, your business is part of it. That's it. And we know people right now that are facing this challenge in there, and it is making a significant challenge to their business because the parents have now become a part of their life. So if we can help you here, hey, this is Jerry Eisenhower, CBC Coaching, and this, and that's what, and we sponsor this podcast each and every week, the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. So let us know how we can help you here at CBC Coaching. Remember, our mission, what we do is we help turn your business dreams into your business realities. But in order to do that, 
You've got to have your personal house in order too. You're not going to get your business in order if you have personal challenges on the outside. And that's where Cheryl, with what she's doing here in the area of elder care and with people working together and relationships that are both family and business, that's why she's such an important part of what we're doing. Also, she and I are doing a joint seminar in April at the National Chimney Sweep Guild of how do people work together as partners in life and partners in business. And this is going to include families and it could be father to son. It could be father to daughter. It could be mother to son. There's all kinds of different ways. It could be challenges of siblings in the business. So we're going to deal with that at our presentation we're going to do at the National Chimney Sweep Guild in Portland, Oregon. So once again, thanks for joining us. Hey, tune us in every week here on the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. It's broadcast out on SoundCloud, Spreaker. It goes through iTunes. It's on, we have our new YouTube channel. You can actually find us on YouTube now, Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. So thanks for joining us. And we'll look forward to you joining us next time. And as always, it's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's a pleasure to be able to share with you our thoughts. Have a great week and look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for joining us here each week at the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network, sponsored by CVC Coaching. Providing you the coaching and educational outreach services you need to move to your dream destination in business and in life.